You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Locked On rooms today. Happy birthday to Bam Adebayo, recording this on a Sunday afternoon. And Idris Bam Adebayo turns the ripe old age of 24, and he's still virtually untradeable, so that's good news for him. Uh, he's part of Team USA. We'll see whether or not the team actually advances to Tokyo, because at this point, I gotta be honest, I'm starting to get a little concerned about uh, the growing spread of COVID-19 and how it's going to impact the sports landscape, specifically the Olympics. I think there's no denying now that it's going to continue to spread there because there is a growing concern throughout all of Japan. Uh, and I just, I'm not even sure that we're going to get a chance to see BAM play with the American team. And we'll, I don't know if the Olympics can potentially get postponed. Right now, there are growing cases there in Japan, uh, even within the Olympic athletes and within the Olympic village. So that's something to definitely keep an eye out. But best of luck to BAM and the rest of the American team. Hopefully, they'll find a way to figure it all out. They had a great win over the Argentinian team a couple days ago, and maybe they can continue to build on that if they're able to get some players back. Obviously, Duncan Robinson not joining Team USA. He's going to be I guess continuing to train over the offseason, get better, and potentially look for a new team or at least rejoin his old one. JaVale McGee uh, was selected to replace Kevin Love, who opted out as well because he does not think he's fully healthy. I don't think, I think I've seen a lot of Heat fans kind of direct some vitriol towards Kevin Love, and I'm not sure it's merited. I, I think. Love really wanted to be a part of that team, and I think he did bring something to the table. Like it's it's funny to make a joke because he's washed, he's old, and he's white, and all these different factors that might play into it. Maybe he doesn't belong, quote unquote, belong with that team. But he's an Olympic champion. He's won it before. He's an All Star. While he was health, not healthy for most of, most of last year, had he been healthy for this year. I still think he could have contributed, but I guess he does not feel like he was able to step up to the challenge anyway, but that's enough of that. As of now, the Olympics are still taking place, so we'll just continue to root for the best and for everybody's continued health. Today's episode is a conversation I really wanted to get into because it's, to me, it's a fascinating one, and it's what are the Miami Heat? That is the conversation for today's episode, because I think this isn't an existential question, obviously. This isn't a philosophical uh, philosophical debate about what the Heat are and what they represent or anything like that, but it was a question that I've been thinking about, uh, and it was born out of a combination of a few different topics that I've seen being discussed around the NBA. The first, and one that I have talked about before as well, is how much of this last season can be used to determine anything. There was a piece by Howard Beck over at sportsillustrated.com, which you should all check out because Howard's a great writer. But I think one of the things that we've continued to see is that the conditions of this past season, the fact that they played so many games in such a short amount of time, that injuries seem to really dictate how the season progressed, uh, that there were teams like the Toronto Raptors, who were a main focus of that story, were playing in Tampa and couldn't have the same kind of just regular training, the regular comforts of home, those were denied to the members of that team, which is why they struggled as much as they did. And I think it's a huge concern for a lot of teams around the NBA. While there is going to be a champion likely crowned in Milwaukee or Phoenix, 
although that seems a little unlikely as I'm recording this right now, the the truth is that a lot of teams are still looking at this season and, and if there's going to be any quote unquote talk about frauds or bubbles or anything like that, I think this season probably represents a much more difficult season to put into the right kind of context. There's no denying that whoever wins, the Bucks or the Suns, are proper champions. I won't take any credit, you know, I won't take any of that credit away from them. They've managed to get to this point similarly to what Miami was able to do in Orlando last year. They took advantage of the situations. They've been able to stay healthy for the most part. Even Giannis's injury was a huge question mark going into the finals, and he's found a way to turn it into an MVP conversation and a deserving one at that. But overall, I'd say just looking at this season and everything else, how how can you determine anything about what's happened? I mean, a team like the Lakers that should have been stacked and should have been able to advance again to the NBA Finals just weren't able to do anything in the first round of the playoffs, similarly to Miami. And I think that's something to really continue to look at. And I think when you look at what this season represented and the challenges of the season, it's really hard to try and determine if the Miami Heat are, are closer to the Finals team from last year or the team that was swept by the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, again, they're, they're one game away from their first title in 50 years. The Bucks look pretty dominant. And I think a lot of people would say, well, you know, Miami just met a far superior opponent. But is the gap that wide between what Miami is and what they were last year when they were able to beat basically the same team? Look, Drew Holiday's a great player. Fine additions in Bryn Forbes and, and Bobby Portis and everything else, which Bobby Portis I do not want on the Miami Heat. That's just an aside from me. But overall, I'd say that I, it's hard to determine whether or not Miami was closer to the finals team or to the, the one who got swept from the playoffs. And I think a lot of that has to do with the extenuating circumstances of this past season. Now, the second topic that kind of ties in together with what I was bringing up regarding, you know, the past season and evaluating these teams is one that Duncan Robinson recently discussed in his own podcast. And to me, it's an even more fascinating one is that do championship windows even exist anymore? Like we all talk about a team having a window that they're a player like Jimmy Butler in his health right now in his prime, you know, signed a four-year deal with Miami a couple of seasons ago, entering the third year of that deal and probably looking to get a contract extension. Is there a championship window for this team? That's the context of Miami. But overall, when you look at how, uh, what everybody else is looking at right now, the draft, free agency, trades, and, and, and you know, just building their teams, it's kind of important to address where you are in your, your stage of development. One of the things that keeps coming back to me when I look at Miami is that the timetable has changed so dramatically for this team. They went on an accelerated pace because of COVID last year, because of the bubble, because of the hiatus. You know, they were supposed to slowly build towards something with the acquisition of Jimmy Butler in 2019. And then they wound up, just being able to take advantage of really bad situations in order to advance to the NBA Finals. They kind of took a step back this past season. So where are they? Where are they in their timeline regarding how close they see themselves as being a, a championship team, a championship caliber team, or a team that needs to continue to rebuild or maybe add a significant player? Would you? Do you seriously, and, and this is not something that I'm seriously proposing here, is it time for the team to consider the trading of one of their two superstars in order to rebuild? Teams will have to make these kinds of questions. I don't think Miami will because it's, well, they've never done that sort of thing. They've never knowingly punted away a chance to win a title. They'd rather be somewhere in the middle than 
a team that rebuilds by trading away a superstar. I mean, that they have lost superstars due to injury like Chris Bosh or because they've left in free agency like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Alonzo Mourning and everything else. That's one thing. They're never going to trade away Jimmy Butler unless he specifically walks into that office and says, I can't be here anymore. I got to leave. And that just doesn't strike me as something that Jimmy's likely to do because he is so determined, so willful, and so... I guess belief, he has a, such a strong belief in his own self that he feels like he could probably carry a team on to any kind of contention, which is part of the problem, right? Because when you look at what they did in the postseason, I firmly believe that Jimmy Butler would find a way to carry this team moving forward. Clearly, it did not work out that way. And I think that's one of the big problems here. So look, I'll, I'll continue getting into this topic in the next converse, in the next segment here. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Bill Bars. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors that there's absolutely something for everyone? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar favorites, you're missing out. There's coconut, cherry, barcia, mint brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, cookies and cream, German chocolate. All of them are great. All of them soft and easy to chew, 100% covered in chocolate. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but it's the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. If you order today, you can get the limited edition grasshopper cookie or cookies and cream or caramel or strawberry or any one of your favorites. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Hopefully, they'll get a chance to eat them in Tokyo. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your order, but only if you use the promo code LOCK15 at BuiltBar.com. Going back to the idea of the existence or lack thereof of a championship window, I think it's important to address, especially if you're a team, but also just from a fan's perspective, to understand what happens next. Now, obviously, I'll just say right off the bat something you already clearly know. I don't have the answers. And I think that's the part of the problem is that I don't think anybody else does either. I don't think you can possibly look at your team and have a very realistic estimate of where your team ranks when you just look at what Miami was able to do this past season if you ask Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler at the start of the 2021 season if they were going to, if they weren't going to win even one playoff game they would have questioned your sanity with some pretty colorful language I think and yet here we are you have to look at Duncan's point first are there championship windows and I talked about this in a show last week in relation to the Clippers and I think I see the point because a an injury can completely take your team out of the running. And, and yet other teams are similarly improving as well. There isn't quite parity, which is, I think, a goal that a lot of leagues would want to have because you have 30 different fan bases invested in what they're doing this season. But there's also no clear powerhouse. Like the Nets, I think, are the prohibitive favorites looking you know, ahead to next season because they've got not one, not two, but three superstar-level talents. And we saw this past offseason, or playoffs, excuse me, what can happen if an injury comes into play and all, all of a sudden two of your best three players aren't good enough to help carry you there. So without a third superstar, and I can't see any other team that has even close to a third superstar, look, look at the Bucks, look at the Suns, look at those current teams right now. Who's the superstar on the Phoenix team? Is it is it Devin Booker? You would question that, I think. I, I think he fits that category but there's limitations into his game. He's not the kind of defensive player that normally merits that kind of conversation about being a quote-unquote superstar. He's a hell of a scorer, one of the best in the league by far. But that was a total team effort. And I think they were a very good team 
And yet, moving forward to next season, I don't think they're going to be able to duplicate this past success. I think Booker can get better. Aiton can get better. But will Jay Crowder be the same kind of player he was last year? Will Chris Paul? Will he even choose to stay with that team? If he chooses to opt out, who knows? I mean, other players will leave. The disease of more is always a factor, as Pat Riley once said. And you look around at the Milwaukee Bucks, and I mean, what happens next with that team? Drew Holiday paying off this year as a player that they went all in to acquire, and clearly his defense has been a factor. His offense has been a factor as well on occasion. But will he continue to be this productive a player next year? Will Brooke Lopez still be able to anchor the middle of your defense, you know, during the regular season and then, you know, wind up not being much of a factor in the offseason? Could a Giannis injury change the whole landscape of next season, whatever happens to them at, in the finals this year? I think those are legitimate questions. You look at look at the teams in the East. The Hawks were one game away from facing the Suns in the NBA Finals. And they're only going to get better. They're going to be healthier. They're going to bring back the most of their team. But even health derailed their regular season, and only until they had most of their team back for the postseason were they able to make a legitimate run to the NBA Finals. And maybe they got lucky because of seeding and everything else. Things that will happen during any postseason. But I just don't know if you could have – I mean, the Heat were the sixth seed with a very good case for being able to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, even if they lacked the superstar talent, even if they lacked – you know, the regular season record that normally goes with being one of the best teams. Look at the Philadelphia 76ers, the best team in the East, but they didn't look it. They lost to the Atlanta Hawks. And and I think it's hard to really determine what's going on in the East. So, I mean, look, again, the Nets are prohibitive favorites. The Raptors and Celtics will be better, as will the Knicks. And in fact, I can only look at one team in the East that will be clearly and absolutely worse, and that's the Orlando Magic. They traded away half their roster. They're incorporating a new coach who's going to be there for the rebuild. They are in it for not to necessarily tank, but they're going to start over. They're resetting. And I think that's a much more benign term to use and one that doesn't you know, scare your fan base as much, especially one that's as lukewarm and middling as the Magic fan base. This isn't a knock on Orlando fans, but they haven't had a lot to root for. They've had a team that's been basically rebuilding for a long time. And even the stars that they were able to acquire or the good players they were able to draft with their fourth or fifth or sixth draft pick, you know, they always were never able to get that top pick, even though they were clearly tanking. They weren't able to get that one life-changing player, the generational-type talent that could transform your franchise. And so they just were okay. They had an all-star in Nikola Vucevic, and deservingly so. Victor Oladipo was never quite the player they envisioned him to be. Aaron Gordon never really panned out. Jonathan Isaac was hurt. You know, Evan Fournier and on and on. We know all about the magic there. So they're going to be worse because most of those players are gone. And who knows what happens with Cole Anthony? You know, are they going to be able to carry that team to 20-ish wins? That seems more realistic. Who knows who they'll draft and, and what happens next. But I can't see them being a very good team next year. The Cavs have a high draft pick. So do the Pistons. They'll be better. The Bulls will figure out how to use Vucevic. And that's just the East. You look at what's going on in the West. The Thunder have a long-term plan to tank, and eventually they'll improve. They were still spicy enough to win 22 games in a tough Western Conference, right? The West is so dominant, but they still won 22 games. The Kings and Wolves will have their picks in the draft. They'll have enough young players to potentially get better. You don't think Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and, and Anthony Edwards and whoever they draft this year is a good enough team to challenge for a playoff spot? Because I think so. I mean, the Kings are... 
notoriously bad and, and dysfunctionally run, and yet they still have a super, you know, a budding star level player, let's say, in Tyrese Halliburton and the Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes. If they can figure it out, and there's no reason to think that they can't, why can't they make one good addition this offseason, especially not just through the draft, but in free agency or via trade? Next thing you know, they'll be right there. They'll be sniffing a playoff spot for the first time in a long time. The Pelicans will be better, too, if they're healthy. There's a chance the Blazers might blow it all up if Damon Lillard demands a trade. And I'm telling you right now, just as an aside, I don't think he is going to do so. I think the plan from what I've read or heard, and I think this is what we're kind of starting to see more and more of, is that he's going to – he's upset at a franchise that has been a dysfunctional mess, that maybe behind the scenes has been a really big problem, uh, not just because of a poorly run coaching search, but also a general manager in front office, a president of basketball operations. I'm not sure what Neil Olshay's exact title is, but he sucks at his job or has sucked at his job at least over the last couple of seasons. He's missed out on a couple of good draft picks. He's uh, not made the right trade or made the right acquisition. And so, although I thought the Blazers had a good chance of advancing this past year, and that just goes to show you how much I know, uh, they fell well short of that. They weren't able to turn it around defensively. Maybe that fell that fell on Terry Stotts, their former coach, but they had health issues. They couldn't get everybody back in time. They were kind of just trying to figure out how to plug and play. They made a big trade for uh, Norman Powell. That didn't work out either. And, and so what happens next to that team? Is Lillard going to ask out? To me, I think he's going to wait a little bit. Uh, from what I've heard and seen is that He's probably going to take a, a chance to give this front office and Chauncey Billups, a newly acquired head coach, a chance to kind of figure it all out. If they're able to win right away, if they if they have the makings of a team that can go to that next level, then maybe he'll stick around. Or what seems most likely is that he'll go the same route as James Harden, which is that he'll wait and see. He'll have plenty of positive things to say about this team moving forward, but then eventually he'll just say, no, we don't have it. We don't We don't have what it takes. And whatever moves they're able to make in the offseason probably will not pan out right away. And if that's the case, his frustration will boil over. He'll ask for a trade, and we'll see what happens. Uh, as far as Miami's chances of acquiring it, I, I want to address this right now because I know so many of you are interested in Lillard. I personally... Would love to have Damian Lillard here. He's a superstar. He's a great player. He's dynamic. He can change the course of a game within a few seconds and possessions. I love talking to Dame. I think he's smart. He's a good quote. He's interesting in many, many ways. And I think those kind of conversations would be great. Just from a media perspective, it's it's fantastic to have an opportunity to get Damian Lillard on this team. I also, unfortunately, don't think it's realistic. I mean, you look at what... Houston acquired in exchange for James Harden. You know, again, I think a comparable level star as a Dame Lillard, a guy who has questions on one side of the ball defensively, but can obviously change the course of a game because of their incredible scoring potential. And for them to get four picks and four pick swaps and players in exchange for a player like James Harden, Miami can't offer that. I mean, Dame Lillard would have to go into Olshay's office, who again will be fighting for his job, or maybe he won't care at that point because it's likely he's going to get fired by ownership anyway. But he, he'd have to go and say, no, I want to go to Miami. Can you make it happen? And then maybe they'll figure out something. But you're not trading Bam and Bayer. You're not trading Jimmy Butler. Not you know, at this point anyway. And you don't have four draft picks to throw in there. You don't have you know, the kind of young players to kind of throw in there. Could a package of 
what, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Precious Achua. If you can get the protections on your Oklahoma City draft pick removed and maybe you can trade it next season, can you trade three first-rounders? Is that enough? I mean, that's assuming that Duncan would even want to go to Portland, which I don't see any reason why he would. Maybe they'll reach out and say, oh, can would you be interested in going to Portland? Maybe Duncan wants to. That takes him the exact opposite direction of where he's from and away from family that he does appreciate and love. And so I, I just don't see any kind of realistic scenario, unfortunately, for acquiring Damian Lillard. I hate to burst your bubble, but I just I don't know that a superstar is coming to Miami. And I think that's the big question there because everybody – look, we're a fan base that is inherently spoiled. From the moment Pat Riley got here – to Miami in 1995, he said, to hell with mediocrity. I'm not going to be just okay. I'm not going to wait for Glenn Rice to realize his potential as a 23-point-per-game scorer and a guy who can shoot 39% from three-point range. I'm not going to take a chance on these young guys like Khalid Reeves and Matt Geiger to potentially become good. I want a star, a building block, a foundational centerpiece. And so he traded for Alonzo Mourning. And he's always done it. And and look, when Jamal Mashburn couldn't quite reach up to his potential, he got traded too. There is no patience or waiting time or anything like that. This is a team that wants to win. But how? Who, who are they going to be able to trade for? Who do they have? If, if you look at the same conversation I just had about Damian Lillard, apply it to any other star. And, and again, to, to, to the point I was making, you know, as a fan base, we went from Alonzo Mourning in 1995. He was gone for a little over a season, and in between, you had another guy who was pretty good, a guy by the name of Dwayne Wade. And since then, you've had, what, Shaquille O'Neal in his prime? You've had Dwayne Wade, certainly through his prime. LeBron James, absolutely in his prime. Chris Bosh, Jimmy Butler, Bram Adebayo. This is a team designed and, and defined, excuse me, by superstar-level talent for the past 26 seasons that Pat Riley has been associated with this team. And now... Well, I mean, you can question whether or not Jimmy is that superstar. You can question whether or not Bam is that star also. But are you going to be able to be the only other team aside from the Brooklyn Nets that can acquire a third superstar? Well, I'll talk about that in the next segment. But first, if you're willing to make a bet on whether or not Miami can be a contender next year, then Bet Online is a place for you because it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action over at Bet Online. Get the latest news and odds on all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the WNBA, uh, UFC and MMA action, and so much more. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online and use your laptop or mobile device to check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device. It's time today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Next week, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey experts Brian Scalabrine and former general manager Ryan McDonough are Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 
2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. So where does that leave the Miami Heat? And even as I'm going through this conversation and recording this and, and picturing all of you listening to this, I can understand that maybe a lot of you have probably already logged off by now. You paused your podcast. You're, you're, you're like, oh, I'm done with this guy. What is he even talking about anymore? And I, I get that. I totally get your perspective. And I, I also want to tell you that while I have serious questions about whether or not Miami's able to go to become that title contending team that so many of us and myself included remember this like when i say that maybe miami isn't a contending team that's not to say that i i don't want them to be it makes my job a lot easier when you're covering a really good team that's able to play for an additional couple of months i've been trying to find content ever since they got swept by the bucks <laughs> you know if i was covering games and having conversation with players regularly hell my job would be a lot easier I, i'm not trying to dissuade anybody from their fandom or anything like that but the reality is that Miami may not contend for a title, and it doesn't matter anyway, because they might still be able to do what the Bucks and Suns did, which is fall ass backwards into an opportunity. They can get better this offseason. And maybe it doesn't mean acquiring Lillard or James Harden last year or any other disgruntled superstar. Two stars might be enough. You're already in a better place, to me, than the Phoenix Suns are. The difference between this team and last is Jay Crowder and Aiton and, and uh, Mikhail Bridges. I, I think those guys were a much better team than Miami was. And that's where the changes have to take place. Look at this roster right now. You've got a playmaking forward and a playmaking center probably somewhat out of position. You have to surround those teams with other playmakers, defensive players, and specifically shooters. You've got one potentially leaving out the door in Duncan Robinson. How do you fill the gap on the rest of the roster? How do you get the right personnel to take this team to the next level? And that's what it is. Like, I interestingly enough, on another podcast, you know, the JJ Reddick podcast had Andre Iguodala on, and he dropped a few nuggets here and there. I think he's a very aware of what happens next with his career, uh, and he's already looking at Miami not exercising the team option on his contract. I think that's realistic. I don't think there's any reason for anyone to consider that Miami would want to pay Andre Iguodala $15 million next year. Now, that's not to say that he can't be used as a trade ship, but again, what team is willing to take in that $15 million in exchange to trade a player to Miami? We'll have to wait and see. Could he be used as a, a part of a package to go to Cleveland in exchange for Kevin Love and Colin Sexton? Yeah, that seems possible. Will the Cleveland Cavaliers then, without any concerns for salary cap, just wave Iguodala so that he can become a free agent? That seems possible, too. Nothing guaranteed, and I'm not reporting anything, just putting it out there as a potential. But more than likely, Iguodala not on this team next year. I think we can all agree on that. And look, I think his loss is going to be a problem. Like, he's taking up a lot of space in the salary cap as a, an aging player. But his presence is a positive one. He's another one of those guys, a good locker room guy, that I think really relishes in everybody else's success. He's already a champion. He's already accomplished everything as an individual player. He may or may not be a Hall of Fame level player. Probably not. But he's done what he can. He's gone to five straight finals. He's been to the All-Star game. He's done what he can. Uh, you know, Win finals MVP. Made a lot of money in and out of basketball. He's ready to move on. And so I think he's a good locker room presence. A guy that you need to have in this roster. You're probably losing Udonis Haslam. 
You lose Andre Guadalla. How do you build the rest of this roster? Which is the challenge. But you're already ahead of the game in terms of having two star-level players in Jimmy and Bam. Arguably two top 20 players. Let's say 25 maybe if you want to make a case one way or the other about Bam Adebayo and his offense and whether or not he can be the superstar so many people vision, envision him to be. But that's a good start. It, you're, this Heat front office is going to be challenged. There's no denying that. But they can make next season a successful one and not do it in the typical way for this Heat front office. They don't have to swing that big. They don't have to get that third star. Now, that would put them in prime contention alongside Brooklyn, but that's very unlikely. Can they get Bradley Beal? I, I just don't think he's going to force his way out of Washington anytime soon with a new head coach, a guy who can maximize that roster, a guy who's well-respected around the league in Wes Unsell Jr. I mean, they make a couple changes. They got a couple picks here. Turn it around, stay healthy, go through the a regular season without the challenges of COVID. Well, not to the same degree anyway. There will still be challenges related to COVID next year, but I imagine that testing will be a little bit different just to accommodate players and to make it less stressful for them. Travel restrictions will be different, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I think uh, most of the league is probably vaccinated at this point. I don't want to turn into into a scientific debate or anything like that. Hopefully – uh, everybody stays healthy. That's my biggest concern. But as far as Miami is concerned, let's focus on that, right? They're going to be a good team. They're going to be a good team. They have the potential to be a very good team. I don't think anybody's going to look at that team and say they're going to be great. Not with the roster is currently con constructed, but they can make the right moves to get them to that next level. And all it takes is one bad series from one superstar or an injury here or a scare there. And next thing you know, Miami can find their way into the title chase again. Not by virtue of having the most star talent, by being a good team, something they weren't this year. A good team. They were guys that were slapped together. They were missing key personalities in that locker room. They were missing some talent here and there. They just were missing something that kept them from being a good team. And that's what this is all about. That's why the Phoenix Suns are currently in the place that they are. I think Milwaukee, not the most talented team, but a team that was put together with a mission, and they do have a singular superstar in Giannis Antetokounmpo that Miami does not. And I think that makes a huge difference too. So given the way that this roster currently is with your two untouchable players and Butler and Adebayo, it's all about building a team that fits their talents their personalities to the best of their ability. And we'll see whether or not Miami is able to pull it off. It's going to be a great offseason one way or the other, even without the draft. I think they're going to make some moves, not huge moves, but important ones, and important ones enough to get them to that next level, to be right there in the thick of things next offseason, next postseason, excuse me. Just a reminder, they can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Be sure to keep sending in suggestions, questions for the offseason. If you want to hear about this topic or that or the other, if you've got draft picks that you want me to look at, if you've got any questions about this team and the future of the NBA, absolutely Please, 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 please do continue to send those as often as you can. Uh, special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. But thanks to you most of all. I'm David Ramil signing off. <laughs>